Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a, a PSA, a public service announcement, a commercial that tries to sell you on an idea rather than a thing that I've seen running a lot lately. No surprise, it's about wearing masks. And it's trying to teach the public that wearing a mask is not primarily for your own benefit, but for your neighbor's benefit. To prevent the spread of COVID by those who have the virus but are asymptomatic. So please, it says, think about others. Put others first. Wear a mask. Do it for your neighbor. Now, you may agree or disagree with that and wearing a mask. That's fine. It's not really my point. What I think is interesting is this mindset that is being taught and needs to be taught to put my neighbor first, to put the needs of my neighbor ahead of my own. In a world where I'm used to competing against my neighbor. A world more focused on self-gratitude and self-fulfillment. In a world where we're marinated in me first, my rights, my getting, greed is good thinking. This is quite a change. And a difficult one. For many who have been so focused on and thinking in this way for so long, it's, it's difficult for them to wrap their minds around. It's not about me. It's not for me. It's for them. Hmm. Maybe this is something good that will come out of all this. The turn of thinking of folks. A little less on me and a little more on you. It's the mindset of the Christian. Or, um, well, it's supposed to be. But you see, we're being marinated too. We're also being pickled by this other way of thinking. We're steeped in it. It's hard not to be affected. And then add to that our sinful nature, which likes putting me first. That's a powerful one-two punch. And exactly what the devil had in mind. Create Christians in name only. Christians who say they're Christians but look and live just like the world. For while maybe he can't keep you from being saved, he can prevent you from helping others. Now, certainly the world is different than the church and ought to be. They are different kingdoms with different ways of doing things. In the world, there are those who serve and those who are served. There are some who are greater than others. There are different levels of power and status, and it must be. There must be bosses and workers, government and the governed, children and parents, 
If all that gets stripped away, there will be chaos. As Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, the worldly orders have been established by God and therefore are good. So we submit to our leaders. We pay taxes and all that. And that's good. The problem is when this kind of power and status thinking leeches into the church, into God's kingdom. In the world, it belongs. In here, it does not. In the church, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All are equally sinners. All are equally baptized. All are equally and fully forgiven. All are equally fed. All equally saved. Whatever you are in the world, even if you are the President of the United States, when you walk in here through those doors, there is no difference. Young and old, high and low, all confess together, all receive together. So when the disciples today ask Jesus, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It is a completely wrong question. It is a worldly question that has no place in the kingdom of God. Yet, one that we sometimes ask too. Like the disciples. Like when we ask, I wonder where my place in heaven is going to be. How close to the throne will I be? How big will my mansion be? That's really who will I be greater than thinking. So Jesus calls over a little child. A little child who was probably playing and not really thinking anything about greatness or the adult conversation that was going on. And he puts this little child in the midst of the twelve. The twelve. Jesus is special. Twelve. His own great twelve. And says, here. Here's great. If you want to be great, be this. Or, for us, the answer is, stop worrying about your place in heaven or where you're going to be or how close to the throne or how big your mansion. Instead, remember those days when you were little and all that mattered was running around and playing outside. What if that's what heaven will be like for you? No worries. You get to be a child again. Evidently, this was quite difficult for the disciples to understand because this greatness question is going to come up again two more times after this, including when they bring it up at the Lord's Supper. Hear my body. Hear my blood. Uh, That's great, Jesus, but who's the greatest? And then Jesus, on his hands and knees, washing their feet. And then Jesus, on the cross, 
dying for them. Here. Here's great. Stop trying to be great. Because look, you're already great in my eyes. I came for you and became a child for you. I came to serve you. I died on the cross for you. How much greater can you be than to have the Son of God take your sins upon himself and die for them for you? What can you do that's going to add to that? What can you be to make yourself greater than that? Stop thinking like that. Instead, turn and become like this child. A child of your heavenly Father. Think like this. Jesus is being like the prophet Ezekiel here. In our Ezekiel study, we've noted how Ezekiel sometimes uses something called action prophecies. Prophecies that that told through what he does more than what he says. That's what Jesus is doing here. Kind of an action parable. The disciples don't get his words. Not very often, not yet anyway. But how shocking this must have been. A little child, maybe even beginning to walk. This one is great. Be this. Because On this Labor Day weekend, we know that Jesus is the one who labored for us. Whatever we need, all that we need, he did. Or, to put it in the words of St. Matthew that we heard today, he gave his hands and feet and eyes for us on the cross. He goes and finds us when we lose our way. He loosed every sin that was tied to you, that was binding you and dragging you down to hell and put them around his own neck and died with them. And then he rose. And so now, not sin, not hell, not death can claim you. Jesus claims you. He is the one who died for you, so you belong to him, not them. You're his child, not theirs. And you come here each week or watch on our live stream to be marinated in this good news. Out there, the world is steeping you in its way of thinking. But in here, Jesus is. And while the amount of time spent in the world and the amount of time spent in here is quite different, There is an advantage here. The Spirit. The Spirit working through the Word, through the absolution, through the body and blood of Christ to give you Jesus and form you in Him. It's kind of a PSA proclaimed here every week, but which is more? Because here the Spirit just doesn't give you information And try to convince you of something. But actually gives what is announced in the word. Actually gives you Jesus and his life and his forgiveness. 
that as we prayed in the colic today, we may set our minds on the things that are right and by your merciful guiding, accomplish them. Accomplish them. The things that are right. That we act right because we think right. That we act right not to make ourselves right, but because Jesus has made us right. You see, that's the kind of thinking we need to be taught that is so difficult for so many in our world to wrap their minds around. Because in the world, you do right to be right. You do good to be good. But in the church, it's exactly the opposite. You do right because Jesus has made you right. You do good because Jesus has made you good. Or, to repackage that a little, we're used to thinking, don't sin so you can be saved. No! You are saved. That's Jesus' labor for you. His work for you. Rather, don't sin for your neighbor. Like that PSA about wearing a mask. Don't do it for you. Do it for them. Do it not to be great, but because you already are. Because you're a child of God. So turn your minds around. and Think like that. It's not about me. It's not for me. It's for them. So, yes, it's better to cut off your hands and your feet and gouge out your eyes and live without them rather than go to hell with them. But even better is to cut off your hands and feet and gouge out your eyes and live without them so that your neighbor doesn't go there. So that she can join you like a little child playing on the streets of heaven. Now in my experience, we all say that of course we would do that. But only because we know we really aren't probably going to have to. Like the husband who promises that he will lay down his life for his wife. Because he thinks all that means is just jumping in front of a bullet, which he probably really won't have to do. So let's be a little more realistic, shall we? So let's say, what if everyone gouged out their eyes, so to speak, and stopped watching, say, porn? there would be no more porn. And your neighbor would be saved from it. What if you cut off your hands, so to speak, and didn't post that nasty gram on social media and so spared your neighbor from bitterness and shame? What if everyone cut off their feet, so to speak, and stopped going along with the crowd? but instead walked in the way of love 
Maybe your neighbor could then join you and do the same. Or what if I reached out to the one instead of spending all my time with the 99? Or what if I cut off my tongue, so to speak, rather than spread that juicy piece of gossip and save my neighbor's reputation? What if I closed my eyes more in prayer? What if I opened my hands more in mercy? What if I used my feet more to run to my neighbor in need? And again, all this not to save myself. I already am saved. A baptized child of God. You too. But all these things because I already am. And so be like Jesus. Being his child. You see, that's my labor this Labor Day weekend. Jesus has his for you. And so yours is for your neighbor. And maybe this Labor Day, see your labor that way. And that you are a mask yourself, a mask of God. God using you, hiding behind you and what you do for the benefit of your neighbor. Using you as his blessing to others. So what you do isn't just about making money. And what you do isn't to save yourself. What you do, you do as a child of God, loving others, because Jesus first loved you. See, that's the marinating, the steeping, the pickling that we need in the love of Jesus, in his forgiveness and life, drinking it in with our eyes and ears and mouths, having him and his spirit permeate all that we are, all our thoughts and desires. And so we become that, become him, that we be enabled to set our minds on the things that are right and by your merciful guiding accomplish them. Wrap your mind around a world like that. A world filled with people like that. Sounds like, well, paradise, doesn't it? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.